This is Josh Mills. This is Joe Santana. My name, yeah. <laughs> and this is this is Acquired Tastings. I want to welcome you guys to this week of Acquired Tastings. It's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, my dad is out traveling this week. Uh, so I've got two of my good friends. I've got Joe Santana, owner and operator of Crush Wine Bar. And one of our good friends, Jeff Ford, uh, CEO of Perks Worldwide, uh, hanging out with us tonight. We're going to talk about some of our wine travels because we've gone on quite a few. Yeah, four or five. You guys have gone on five. Away. We've been on 10, 10, yeah. maybe 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys have been on a lot of wine trips. So we're going to talk about just some of our trips while we drink, drink some wine. And we'll, we'll throw in some things about kind of tasting room etiquette and some of the things to know when you go. Uh, so first, we're going to talk about the blind from last week. I tasted a liquor. It was brown. It was syrupy. It was wheat. And I called it a rum. Guys, you never guess what it was. It was Crown Royal. <laughs> well, it does have a neutral spirit in it. Yeah. Well, you know, Canadian whiskey, they can add, like, extra flavorings and that kind of stuff. So it was sweet. Cool. You guys want to get into some of this wine? Do it. All right. So, uh, Jeff, you're, uh, we're pouring yours first. What'd you bring tonight? Well, I brought two, um, both Sauvignon Blanc, one from Sancerre, uh, Pascal Jolivet. Well, that's what we're drinking right now, right? That's what we're drinking right now. Um, Joe and I, on um, one of our trips, you were on mm-hmm. and had, had to, uh, leave. I think you came in for about 24 hours. That was in, that was in <laughs> premiere, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You Man. were in France for 24 hours and drank. <laughs> I mean, crazy. 700 wines. Yeah, somebody had to run the bar while Joe was gone. <laughs> Paris um, on a train all the way to Bordeaux. <laughs> pretty much. So at the end of our trip, we added a couple of days on and went down there, uh, which is about, what about an hour and a half. South of Paris. South of Paris. Um, and just a, you know, small little village that, uh, makes a lot of amazing Sauvignon Blanc wine. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's really good. And uh, just to let everybody know, we're actually recording this on site in Argenta at Crush Wine Bar. So we're getting that kind of authentic feel. So Joe may have to, you know, run and open some bottles. Bust the table. Cut some cheesecake, you know. (laughs) He's still working. (laughs) Yeah. So so what vintage is this, Jeff? This is uh, 2019. So... Um, we actually got to meet Pascal when we were there. Yeah. Um, fun guy. He would be amazing to hang out with. Right. Uh, he's probably mid fifties. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. And, um, we, we got to go into, um, uh, where the vats were and taste right out of the vat. Oh, wow. Um, which was pretty, pretty amazing. And you got how many different ones dry? Uh, we tried we tried wines all the Sauvignon Blancs he produced. Um, they were in different vats, and they were, they were different stages of fermentation. We tasted some out of the cement eggs. Oh, yeah. uh, he was yeah. doing Pinot Noir, uh, rosé, uh, and uh, we tried it out of a uh, out of a vat and also out of the the cement egg. But we tried every vat. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did. It was a fun day. Dang. Well, so one of the things that was really cool about that particular area is they're not um they don't have a lot of americans 
coming through there. <laughs> it's not a it's not a popular tourist area. I mean, you're really? you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, uh, and it's all farmland around you, and um, you know it's not Bordeaux, it's not Champagne, etc. I mean, it's Sauvignon Blancs, and so they don't get you know a lot of traffic through there. So when they do, I mean, he was crazy excited for us to be there yeah mm-hmm. um and you know i think he spent <laughs> probably more time than he would normally spend I mean, he's he probably spent easy three hours yeah with us yeah and um you know even even in the village there um most of the people you know you go anywhere in, in france most of the time people speak english right but there we ran into multiple people that didn't did not speak english <laughs> and and of course uh our french is is, is pretty bad it's trim off <laughs> it's tray trim off <laughs> yes so um so there were a few few times that we struggled a little bit but yeah but that to me that makes for an even better experience because you you're doing something that you know not a lot of people are doing so. yeah at that point it probably felt really really authentic I'll to be there. We were reminded we were the only two Americans in Sonsera, <laughs> most likely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, Joe, kind of tell us tell us a little bit about Sancerre since you were there. Kind of where is it in France? What, you know, kind of what's the region? And kind of well, tell us a little bit about Sancerre itself. Sancerre, uh, being south of Paris, it's uh, it has a river influence to it. Uh, it's right across the river from Puy Fume, which is also another big Sauvignon Blanc producer, um, but a lot of limestone soil, uh, cool, cool weather. Um, even though we did leave Sancerre and the next, uh, I think during bud break the next year, they had a hailstorm which took out over half uh, everything in Sancerre. So when, well, we were there in what, April? Is that right? It was April 16. Yeah. Okay, April 2016. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, so they they're worried about frost there. So what do they? I mean, you said that this is Sauvignon Blanc. Is that kind of what all they grow there, or is there anything else? Uh, they grow Cabernet Franc, depending on what uh, part of Loire you're in. More of the eastern part of Loire, you're going to see Cabernet Franc, but they are growing more uh, Pinot Noir in the uh, western side of the Loire. So kind of where Sancerre is. You saw, like I think you mentioned, you guys mentioned that you got a taste of Pinot Noir Rosé out mm-hmm. of the vat. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> that was a good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. We saw a lot of rosé there. Uh, uh, the one place that reminded us that we were the only two Americans, I probably had five different rosés wow. um, from Sancerre, which I didn't think there was that many. Okay, so wait, you say, just go back for a sec, you say they reminded you. Did they like actually say, uh, you know you're the only two Americans here? They said most likely. Well, you're... <laughs> <laughs> the way that came about was uh, we sat down at the bar, and there's this little small uh, bar right there. In, in the it was attached to a little motel. Yeah. And it was basically the only place open past like 830. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, we're sitting at the bar and, and the bartender, I would say he was probably early 70s. Right. Um, we were trying to order and he couldn't understand us. And, and um, he did not speak. Um, he did not speak. Um, english at all yeah and then he went back and got his son mm-hmm. his son came out and um you know 
we started talking with him. He spoke English and, and um, he had actually gone to Berkeley. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. And, <laughs> and <laughs> we were talking to him and asking him about, you know, that was, I think that was like the first night we were there. Yeah. And asking him about, you know, the fact that not a lot of people speak English there, et cetera. And he said, well, right. he said, you two are probably the only two Americans in concert. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah, it was, crazy. It was cool. His son went to Berkeley. Did he go like to study wine or what he I, like? Did he say or I anything? Think it was hospitality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it was just wine. Yeah, because I know I don't I don't know if Berkeley has an enology program, but I know you know UC Davis is a big one that right. people go over to. Right. Well, cool. So uh, let's talk about this wine a little bit. What are we tasting in it? What do you guys? What do you guys taste when you drink it? Since we are a tasting podcast. You know? Well, so to me, this is a little brighter than most of the Sancerre's. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? What do you mean when you say bright? It's, um, so the one thing that I like about Sancerre and Pui Fume is they tend to have a lot of minerality. Okay. Whereas, you know, the California wines are more rounded. Right. There's that limestone soil. Yeah. <clears throat> And you get you get some chalkiness, you get you know minerality, et cetera, and then of course in New Zealand you get grapefruit. Right. Well, this doesn't have a ton of minerality. I think it has some, a little bit on the nose, yeah. and a little bit on the on the finish, but it's really bright citrus on the nose. Yeah. 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 I mean, this would definitely this would fool me in a blind like this. I would start to think that it would be more of an american or a new world style right because it is like it's so fruit forward i wonder if that has to do with just like the climate warm it up up there maybe i don't know but i think too so um pascal is is i think he's he started his his winery in like 85 86 ish yeah which usually what's what's weird is like in france usually it's third generation fourth generation family right but he started this winery Wow. And so he's he's kind of known as the 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 kid, if you will, <laughs> new kid and, on the block. And, and he probably, mm-hmm. you know, his winemaking is probably a little bit different than say. So this other uh, wine that I brought is the Puy Fume, yeah. that the family, you know, has has been making this since the seventies, but the the vineyard itself has been there since I think um, I was reading that. Louis the Fifteenth's illegitimate daughter used to own this vineyard. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I can't wait to get into that so, one. So I'm expecting that one to be a different style, really. Yeah. So I mean, what seven? You know, seventies. That's you know, the heyday of, you know, kind of when California started hitting the market. I wonder if he was going for a little bit more of that kind of new, new style. Didn't ask him too much about his past. Yeah. Like, yeah. How how he did things before that. Right. Yeah. Or what he did before that. Yeah. So you, when you guys were tasting out of that, did they do? Did they use any like neutral oak or anything? No, we didn't see any oak. Uh, even, even when we toured, there wasn't. Yeah, any. he wasn't using oak at all. Okay, he was just using concrete and stainless steel. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. So, what are some other highlights from? You know, we could keep just talking about trips a little bit. So, like <laughs> that was in premiere, mm-hmm. which was <laughs> insane. Agreed. So okay. So if you. So if you don't know what Un Premier is, so in uh, Bordeaux, there is a time of the year that's called Un Premier. It's when all the big negotiants, the big importers, 
um, or ex, you know, exporters, but importers to other countries will come and they'll taste all these Burgundy or uh, Bordeaux okay. wines, and they're super young. So we went in 2016. Used, supposedly they use American oak to try to round them out and give them some sort of backbone. Right. And so, like, you know, what it is is you're tasting the young wine that's going to hit the market in three, four, four years after you're tasting it. And you try to judge, you know, based on that, how much you want to buy. I mean, it's a super old, old traditional practice that goes back for, you know, I mean, people would used to buy, oh, I'm going to buy that particular cask, you know. But now it's just a really big kind of tasting thing. We were invited by... Um, Aquitaine? It was, yeah, Chateau Aquitaine, which is... A, it's Aquitaine. It's just Aquitaine. Uh, they're an importer, and we got connected through Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, we were able to go, and it was a wild trip. It was a what? I mean... I was up at 6 in the morning, ready to go. Yeah, we had to. That was amazing. It was the first time I ever saw Joe wear a tie. <laughs> the t-shirt sommelier wearing so, a tie. Yeah, so Joe Joe is always wearing a t-shirt. Always like you know he owns a great little wine bar down in Argenta in North Little Rock, and I think I've seen you in a collared shirt here maybe two times, and one of and I think both times were your wife's birthday. <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> and in France, in the first well, yeah, first yeah. day. We had to be at their offices at like 8.30 in the morning. And uh, so Joe was so concerned about getting there on time. He was trying to wake us all up. <laughs> I was <laughs> and we come downstairs and he's got his suit on and everything. It looked like the first day of school. Yeah. I mean, because it's a really prestigious thing to go to. So they, they told us you have to wear a shirt and tie or a shirt and jacket. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it was. But you couldn't just you couldn't slum it. No. No t-shirts, no t-shirt and jeans like out in California. We had to, and so. And they drove us around everywhere. I mean, you can't beat that trip. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, so we were in Bordeaux, you know, down in the south of France, which is a, it's a pretty large region to drive around. And when we go, when we did the tastings, uh, we would, they would set up, what, lunch and dinner at particular vineyards. Is that right? In between the. 40 to 100 wines we had to try. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd go to these, uh, what are called UGC or Union de Grand Cru tastings mm-hmm. for each sub-region mm-hmm. in Bordeaux. And at those, there it, there could be anywhere between 60 to like 100 wines. It was 150, I believe, at that uh, one vineyard that had the long haul. Oh, at uh, uh, Angelus? Angelus. So, you know, obviously... Tip number one when it comes to wine tasting, if you're going to go really hard and go a lot of places, you got to spit the wine. Let's, let's be real. The most minute sip. Yeah. Just to kind of get it across your palate and really worn the rest out. Right. And at something like that. But even when, like, even when we've, we've done some stuff in California, like we know we're going to five or six places. So you got, you got to spit the wine. You agree, Jeff? Um, well, y'all do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because we drive you, Miss, we drive you like Miss Daisy around? Exactly. exactly. Now, in California, I mean, you're trying maybe five to seven wines at a winery. Right. When you're in, when you're, when you're doing premiere, <laughs> you talked about it on your other podcast with, yeah. uh, with Maggie. Mm-hmm. Tasting the, re, uh, tasting the. Uh, Sauternes. Yeah. Sauternes, excuse yeah. me. 
and the uh, 35 different uh, Salterns all in a row. Oh my gosh. That's insane. That was, that was crazy. And that was my first UGC tasting that I, so I actually, I came in late to the, to this trip because somebody had to run the tasting for Joe at, at his thanks, bar. Josh. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for, thanks for a premiere. <laughs> <laughs> and so I fly out there and I get, you know, when you fly overseas, you get the, you get in the country like early in the morning. And I'm already in my like suit and tie. Like I'm wearing my bow tie. You I've wore got, it from. I've got my jacket. I wore it from Little Rock all the way, all the way out to Bordeaux. I catch my train. I'm, I'm itching there. I finally, I finally get to Centimillion, and I had to wait for like 45 minutes <laughs> for, while we were eating lunch and enjoying and get, uh, the Cuchette Rosé and some of the other back vintages. Yeah. Tell everybody what was it like, you know, at Coute, and that kind of was a. It's a microcosm of when we had like the actual like chateau visits. We, I think we got a history lesson. That was there's a lot going on in that property. Yeah, it, I mean that is one of the only. It's one of the oldest properties in Saint-Domingue. Yeah, and it's one of the only ones that's still owned by the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in in France, you know, the when instead of being able to just leave everything to your children, you have just a, a massive tax debt. Right. So most of the families, when, you know, when the elder passes away, they have to sell the vineyard mm-hmm. to be able to pay the taxes on the right. estate. <clears throat> so uh, there's not a whole lot of those left uh, that have been passed down generations. You know, that one was. Right. Which was really cool. The guy, the winemaker was probably in his 30s. Yeah, he was really a young guy. Yeah. Uh, rolled his own cigarettes. Um, you know, he was, he was, he was as French as you can get. Yeah. Um, and there was, you know, he was taking us around the property and there was a, on the property, there was an old Roman road. Wow. That they had discovered. In a cistern that was there on the property. Yep. And also supposedly, what was that rabbit, rabbit, rabbit hill, rabbit thicket or something like that was supposedly around since then don't look at me i wasn't there (laughs) (laughs) but we he took us into um the cellar and there was a bottle how old was that bottle that had it had a glass it didn't have a cork it had a glass glass cap yeah um it was like 17 something i mean it was yeah it was in the 80s 17 80 something right Um, so I was sitting all by itself there in the corner. Yeah, that was that's probably some of the coolest things. Like when we've done trips to France and stuff, and even even in California, like going down and seeing the cellars, especially in Champagne. I'm I'm going to bring up Champagne. Oh yeah, looking at some of the stuff, uh, some of the cellars there, dug in the chalk. Oh yeah, yeah. With dates, you know, going (laughs) back into the 1800s, people carving things in the wall from the war when they used to hide in those cellars. Yeah, we we talked to like we were at I think it was Tat and Jay, and they were like, "Yeah, this room is where it was a refuge room, and you know we have historical reports that during the war, you know, this is where they had school for the kids, and that was that were hiding yeah, there." World War One. Oh, that's did. right, World War One. Yeah, because that's when they were getting bombed. Mm-hmm. Uh, World War Two, the Germans basically took that, just took it over, took everything over there, and <laughs> took all their wine. But they had yeah. the Champagne Czar, too. Oh, yeah. Um, they had the person that was in charge of that, and they were actually selling some of yeah. that stuff to pay for 
some of the war that was during World War Two. Yeah, and they had, and luckily, you know, they they talk about it like those guys were, like they were like Germany's reps already in Champagne, so they they were a little bit nicer. But that was that was that was some of the cool like the history pieces that we got to see were I've gotten to see were really really cool. I think that's what intrigues me most about these trips to France is the history. Uh, yeah. It's fun to taste their wines and their new techniques, but it's the history. Yeah, and that's you know that's the thing about travel in general. I mean, we saw Dom Perignon's grave. Yeah, that was that <laughs> yeah. was really cool to see. <laughs> yeah, and you know that's the thing about travel in general. You know, you get the history piece and you get to experience somewhere else. Like, you know, just. I think our, like when we walked into what was the, it was the little church we stopped at after going into Bly when we were in Bly mm-hmm. we went to that little place and then it was just oh, a random like is that the fourteenth um, century fourteenth century Byzantine church that was just yeah. there you and uh, Jeff walked in there I didn't for whatever right. reason well I think you scared was afraid of the ghosts <laughs> I mean after drinking that much wine <laughs> we're all af- afraid of getting shot down for gluttony. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did see a dog fetch rocks. That was <laughs> that was entertainment for me. True, that was True. that that was that day. But I, you know, I think one of the things that you know, probably a lot of people listening have probably gone to Napa or done, mm. you know, American type wine trips. Yeah. Um, when you go to France or you go to Spain or or even South America, right? It's so different. It's completely different than than a Napa or Sonoma. Yeah, and you know that's it's it's strange because it's hard to describe why it's different because it is. Some well, of cli- it, the climates are different. Yeah, and some of it, you know, is the tasting room is there to make money here in America, and they want to you know get as many people excited about their wine. The people that are working in the tasting room are still so excited about the wines. They want to they want to get you hooked in the wines, but they also want that next group to come in. Yeah, whereas, they want to sell you wine clubs. And- yeah, whereas you know over there it's like, okay, I don't mind unless I'm really busy out in my vineyard because a lot of times people that right. are working the tasting rooms are also working in the cellars and out in the vineyards. They're like, I'll spend two hours with you. I'll come hang out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it was remarkable down in um, Argentina, down in Mendoza. Those wineries, those people have money. They would rival any Napa estate uh, by far, but the tourism, there was hardly anybody down there. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things like when you think, I mean, as Americans, when we think about wine travel, we think California, we think Europe, or if you, if you can make it there, Australia, because those are, those are your big places. You don't really think about, I mean, people probably hardly think about Spain and like, even in Europe. That was a good time. But definitely South America, it's like, well, I mean, why, why would I go there when I can go probably for the same ticket price and go to Europe? We did see a fair, mar- fair amount of tourists in Spain uh, and yeah. Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona. Barcelona. Uh, and and uh, Rioja. Yeah, definitely. Um, Madrid, we didn't talk to too, too many people. I mean, uh, you did. You were there for three yeah. more days. Yeah, but it's... it's um. It, it, but it is completely different than than here, and it's I mean here is is more corporate, right? And you know there are some places that have that feeling, like when you guys talk about going to Oregon, and uh, is it Adels? I can never pronounce Adelsheim. it. Right? Adelsheim. When I mean, you talk about going to Adelsheim and uh, a couple of those places, 
they seem like they're not quite as corporate for you to use Jeff's term. Like they're a little bit more homely. I mean, wasn't it? Well, we rented some um, cool wineries in Oregon uh, that were very small right. off the beaten path. And the owner of the winery is taking you through stuff and letting you taste things. Yeah. And, you know, that's another tip. I mean, even when you go to California, you know, look at a map, plan your trip, and then don't go to the places that you can buy at home, at least for us. Oh, I mean, for sure. there are definitely, you want to hit, if you want to go to some big names that you're like, I love this one, I absolutely want to go to it, definitely go to it. But to get that experience that, you know, will be different than running up and down the main road in Napa is find the places that not a lot of people go to or that are off the path or that like, <clears throat> oh, I've never heard of that. Let's go there. Right. And that, that, like, that just opens up your experience, I think, so much. And yeah, there's some, sure. There's some big wineries I've never been to. I've never been to Silver Oak, Alexander Valley Silver Oak, yeah. or the uh, Napa Silver Oak. Yeah, I only been to, I only been to Silver Oak because I applied there, and otherwise I probably wouldn't have <laughs> gone there. Just not because I didn't like their wine, but hmm. you know, well, something I can get. I know when I first started going to Napa. Um, yeah, you were always looking for a big name, mm -hmm. and you'd see some name that you had, had never heard of, and you thought eh, they must not be all that good, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's completely not the case at all. Right. Usually the ones that are smaller that are kind of winery only distributors, they have the most interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they're not corporate. They're, they are, um, they're happy that you're there. What was the, uh, the wine I think was Snake Pit that you brought back from one place? That was on the corner there in oh, Alexander Valley. Uh, what was that? What was that place called? Uh, Medlock Ames. Medlock, yeah, that Medlock was Ames. so good. Yeah. And you told me that was just kind of like a turn in. It, it used for you. to be. Well, the, um, the tasting room was a converted um, gas station. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but they had done a really nice job. Yeah, it, was, it was amazing. It was really now. cool. Yeah. I bet. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, you know, all their stuff is done organic. And um, I mean, they don't sell retail. I mean, they don't sell the stores. No. Everything's winery only. Yeah. Right. But yeah. you just kind of turned in there because you're like, oh, hey, look, this, this looks cool. Let's. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was one of the, like, that's kind of what we're saying is like, you know, if you're driving around the road and you're like, damn, that looks like a cool spot. Let's just, uh, let's turn in there. And, you know, you can tell whoever you're with, like, hey, let's, let's try this place, see if we can get in. If you can't get in, I mean, you can't get in because what is it? Turley down in Paso, you have to have a. Uh. A reservation for our, our my business card got us a tasting that's yeah. right that yeah. did and but for this but, but for us, like happen. jeff and i regular folks if we were just going no. there we couldn't get it but in. then on that same trip we go to jay doozy oh yeah and just, just just happen upon it we go in there and yeah. that was one of the best tastings we had there i think we've well, been back we went, twice yeah yeah, yeah. On a separate, like, we basically yeah. went to Paso when we did Southern California just so we could drink some J. Doozy Pinot Grigio. Yeah. And I think we turned into J. Doozy because we were early going to Ravel. Peach, uh, Peach Canyon. Was it Peach Canyon? Yeah. We yeah. drove past Peach Canyon to yeah. get J. We Doozy. Were, but I remember we were, like, early, and we're like, hey, let's just turn in here. And we turned into J. Doozy, and it was awesome. Yeah. That's right there at the Templeton Gap. Yeah. Which is famous for its breezes off the ocean. Oh, man. In the afternoon. 
Mm-hmm. So the Tibbleton Gap is down in Paso, which is about, what, hour and a half south of San Francisco? Hour south of San Jose. I mean, half hour traffic-wise. Hour and a half from yeah. San Jose. Well, I, just, I, I don't re- exactly remember the drive. I just remember, you know, driving from Paso. I don't, after, I don't remember <laughs> after, most of the drive back to San the Jose. the concert. <laughs> the concert was amazing. <laughs> but you from know, what I... Yeah, from what you remember. From what you've heard, been told, Vita Robles was very nice. Yeah, thank nice you for giving us yeah. free wine. <laughs> so I usually drive <laughs> on these trips. <laughs> Joe drives in the morning until after the first tasting, and no, then, I drive during the day. Not when I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> usually drive, or Jeff will drive first to the first tasting, and after that, Jeff it's just quit. <laughs> Jeff turns into Miss Daisy. <laughs> well, you're. <laughs> <laughs> You're more responsible, so yes. That's and good. I'm also larger, so it takes me. You can hold more wine. I can hold more. I can hold more wine than these guys. But it's a uh, you know, you know, kind of just you know. We talked about Paso. You know, what past hour and a half south of of San Jose or San Francisco, and man, there's some great wine. Great, big, unctuous, great wine. Huge reds. Yeah, the Chardonnays are pretty good, but they're over the top. Yeah, you don't find much Sauvignon Blanc or any other well i mean whites we talked about the 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 jay ducey yeah because it's at the templeton gap that's why yeah it's a paso's a hot hot region because it's kind of it's inland it's in between but yeah running down the templeton gap the afternoon you sit out there what was it three we get there like two three o'clock the breeze starts blowing and it turns real nice drink a bottle bottle of pina grigio jeff you joined their club didn't you uh, I did not. Or did you just buy some of the wine? Just bought some of the wine. <laughs> yeah. We need to see if we can be part of that wine. That's yeah, a great spot. If you're if you're going at if you're going down to Paso or you're thinking about going to California, I would I don't I mean, I haven't actually done Napa as a wine trip, but I would say, you know, if you want something that's not gonna be overly crowded and you don't want to do the normal stuff, drive down rather than driving north, drive south to Paso. Yeah. I well, mean, Santa Maria, uh, even Santa Barbara. Yeah. The whole South Central Coast definitely not packed like Sonoma and Amar. And you find great, you find really, really good wines. I mean, Everly, that was a great experience there. <laughs> we actually got to stay with Gary Ever with the wine, the owner and winemaker Gary Everly. He's a, he's a really, really cool guy. He's the ex uh, Penn State. He's a hoss. Uh, he's like American. six seven. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah, he's all American, six seven, uh, defensive line, former defensive lineman for Penn State, who always has a standard poodle. Uh-huh. Like remember, he always yeah. had a standard poodle, and they named it after a great variety. But it was Sangiovese when we were there. Uh-huh. Is that right? Uh-huh. But there were some really good wines there. It was a, it was great hospitality. Yeah, I mean they took us around. Yeah, you know, like I said, we got to stay there. He actually like cooked dinner for us, and we drank with him. Cooked his dry tip. Yeah. Um, fast cooks and baby back ribs. Not like a uh, regular smoked kind like you would get here. Yeah. That was that was the appetizer. Yeah. <laughs> so this uh Pui Fume. Oh yeah. So we've completely co- different. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So talking going back to France. There was actually some petroleum on that. Which took me to Yeah, like, it's it's completely Germany. different than Yeah. This so this is uh Pui Fume, which is in the Loire Valley as well. It's just across the loire yeah river just right across the river from a sancerre same grape and all the uh, i don't think we even mentioned it at all the 
wines are named after the towns they come from. Have the bottle. Yeah, so it won't say Sauvignon Blanc on the label. They'll just be named after the town. Yeah, the only place in France where it says, where it tells you what it's from is Alsace, because yep. they actually put it on the bottle. But this, you know, this is actually older too. So the the Sancerre is 2019. Early. This is 2018. Right. Which most of these wines come out pretty. Definitely more pretty weighty. But yeah, without a doubt. What do you mean by weighty, Joe? Like a, it, like it's cloying on your palate. Like the apple just sits on your tongue. Yeah. It's definitely like green apple, almost like apple skin. Mm-hmm. Apple skin mm-hmm. on it. This is from, um, oh God, I'm going to butcher this. Du La, du La Duclette. If I had La Duquette. La Duquette. La Duquette. As you can tell, our French is Trey Tremont. That would be the time. Let's see. E double T E. It's Chet. Chet. So, Jeff, you were saying. You're saying this this winery has been around for a long time, is that right? Yes. And when I was reading about this, their their winemaking, they actually age it in vats uh, that are lined with glass tiles. What? Because they want zero influence whatsoever on glass. Yeah. So is it like in a like glass lined cement tanks? I guess I would assume so. I would assume this would have been I was finished in some sort of neutral oak. They yeah. have the zero wood on them. Crazy. That's crazy. I was totally I was totally thought this had neutral oak on it. It must yeah. just be they may take it through like full mallow or something. That's, it's interesting. But I still get that petrol. Yeah, yeah. but you, this one you can definitely taste. There's a lot of that like minerality. Yeah, this is you know, chalky. This, this tastes like France. Yeah, this this tastes like a France. Like if you put if you blinded these together and said, okay. Are you believe both of them are from France? So, interesting fact, though, as I'm reading about these wines, um, there was an article in Forbes um, just recently that before the pandemic, wine sales have been going down. Yeah, especially champagne. And, oh, well, yeah. no, no the, before, before before the pandemic. Oh, before the and since the pandemic, um, Sauvignon Blanc uh, wine sales have increased by like thirty percent. Hmm. You know, way more than anything else. I wonder. I wonder if this is me being the wine nerd. I wonder what the breakdown for like where the Sauvignon Blanc is coming from, kind of would be. Because, I mean, not to, you know. Well, actually, I wonder if people are more people are going to the shelf. And saying, oh, I want a Savion Blanc. Are they actually like pull it? Do they know to pull, hey, this is also a Savion Blanc kind well, of thing? Yeah. Like they're pouring, pulling New World or Old World. Yeah. Are they, are they pulling like Cloudy Bay, like, you know, honing stuff that they, well, they, tend they to know? Be, they tend to be obviously um, less expensive. Right. Um, even though Don Sarah and Louis Fume is not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, they tend to be if you're going for some of the New Zealand wines, um, California wines that you know you can find some for yeah, yeah you can twelve find bucks a right. bottle that um, are good wines. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I and I would assume that plays into it. Right. But you know the thing too is that, and I think Joe was saying. Uh, just the other day, the champagne sales have gone. They tanked. Know, I mean, nobody's completely. having weddings. 25, right. 25%. Yeah. Um, and they're, 
they're, they're dropping fruit. Oh yeah, they're they're, I've heard fruit. they're yeah they're killing fruit. And they're that's not a, that's not a Nelly song either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what we mean at dropping fruit? So when you're when you're t- <laughs> not a Nelly song. <laughs> it's gonna take me a second to recover from that. <laughs> but when we, <laughs> when we a little risque. I mean, drop it like it's hot. <laughs> no, what it is is so when you're pr- when you're going through working in a vineyard. You can cut the fruit and just drop it on the ground, you know, to a to lo- lo- lower the yield, but also to like just um, actually makes the grapes that you leave on better, uh, lowers your yield and does that kind of stuff. But also, you know, it it saves you from spending that extra money, you know, because you're not having to water it or take right. care of extra grapes or when they come into the vineyard. Now you're not having to press them. so You're going to make less wine. Well, you're going to have less wine, which is probably going to keep the price up. Right. Because the yield is going to be lower. You're not going to have that extra. But wouldn't you think that by doing that as well, because you're, you're able to select the fruit that you're cutting off, yeah, that it's going to, ma- that this year, as long as the weather's good, right. this year should have spectacular champagne. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how, if they call a vintage this year. Right. Because if they call a vintage, they're able to hold it a lot lot longer before if they make vintage wine they were to hold it a lot longer before they actually have to take it to market well if they would have dropped the fruit earlier they would have had a better growing season a more intense fruit well yeah they which did, would have been a yeah bad. yeah and that's kind of one of the things that jeff was talking about like you know dropping it early brings up and makes it more intense and gonna have some banger banger champagne yeah hopefully they'll i mean hopefully it stays good and they'll well i mean they're harvesting they're probably harvesting now you know, we're recording this September, September 18th. Yeah. So hopefully they're, you know, hopefully they do declare a vintage and then it can be grapefruit <laughs> set around for a long time. So along those same lines. Yeah. With what's going on in California and Oregon right now. Oh, with the fires. With the fires and yeah. the smoke. Um, wouldn't it, I mean, wouldn't it make sense that it's going to be a terrible year for well, you know, it's hard to keep that smoke out of there. I mean, I know Joe yeah. says you, you can put Visqueen over, but I mean, at some point you just can't keep smoke out. Right. And I mean, we tasted that wine um, in the, that's the Carmel Valley where mm-hmm. we went up there and the, they said it was a, fu- like we were tasting it. We're like, man, there's some like smokiness on this. And they're like, yeah, there was a wildfire this year. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, you know, it's gotta be hard. I mean, luckily, Luckily, those a lot of the fires in California didn't really hit until right around harvest. The air quality didn't get really bad till really close to harvest. So ho- maybe, maybe that'll be, maybe that'll kind of hold it. I'm not a, I don't, I don't know a lot about viticulture or enology, and I don't. So I don't know if if at that point the grapes are still like pulling in stuff through the skins at the when they're when they're old like that you were with us during that bernardus trip right yeah that's what that's what we, yeah, we you could actually it, yeah. taste how smoky those smoky. wine wines were and they in the reds it was it nice it wasn't a good smoky yeah in the well, white it, it was nice white, but in the white it was just too intense the white was gross i mean it was oak chardonnay anyway but... <laughs> <laughs> smoke cream corn yeah. <laughs> give me some give me some pui for me <laughs> But yeah, that's that's that is pretty interesting to see what's gonna what's gonna happen with right. that. You know, Joe, what do you what do you think? You know, so the fires hit the fires are hitting there right now. 
you know, late in the season at harvest. Do you think, I mean, is that really, do you think that could lower the effect or? It's, it's been two years since they've had the fires in Napa and Sonoma, correct? I think, I think that's and about right. Bad, the, bad, bad fires. Right. And the wines didn't, did not show any of that. Right. So maybe, maybe it just depends on when in the season it comes in. Maybe now that it's late, it'll be good. So Joe, most, of, most of the okay. stuff's been picked. Yeah. Or it was so they can put picked. bisqueen over the top of the bat. They can keep smoke out of the winery. Right. Most of the smoke. Right. So, Joe, I see you snacking over there. What'd you, what'd you bring? Um, I brought, I was trying to find a goat from the region of the wine I brought. Okay. I could not find one. An actual so goat? I, <laughs> a goat. We're going to eat. We're going to have goat, 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 goat shipped in. Goat tacos. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Give me some goat taco. I'll take some barbacoa. <laughs> Barbacoa taco. <laughs> so I was trying to find a, a crow tin and I could not find one. So I brought a cheese from New York, uh, which is very flavorful. It tastes like a triple cream uh, brie, very buttery. Uh, it's showing better with the suns there than Fumé. And the other cheese we haven't had yet, it's from Rhone, uh, region of France. So smells this a is little, a, smells a little like beet. So the one, the one that we're having now, is it a, you know, is it a cow's milk cheese or? Is a cow's milk cheese. Yeah, it is very buttery. So this Puy Fumé, you almost need, like, I think oh, mussels wow. would be really good for this. Oh, yeah. Um, but anything. Especially with the herbs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you should try the cheese with this. That's it a actually, really good cheese. It, it really, really goes well. That like it, It's very, very buttery. And it, the weight of the cheese matches the weight of the wine. And so it kind of you don't feel the weight as much and you can kind of get a lot of that fruit fruit that's coming through the, you know, apple and some of the citrus. It's really good. So Joe, what's been your favorite trip that you've been on your favorite wine trip that you've been on or top couple? I'm going to use Jeff's term minus the hazing. It was in premiere. <laughs> why, why in premiere? Because you felt like you were something like we've been on a lot of wine tasting, all of all three of us together, but it felt like you were really doing something special. Like it was like you were somebody in the wine world. Yeah. That was probably my favorite. Because, I mean, we were tasting, you know, elbow to elbow with negotiants. And like I, I was tasting and somebody like st we started chit-chatting and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm a negotiant for this company. I cover all of Brazil. And I'm like, well, we were at the one winery <laughs> and they were asking us if we could import wines for them. Yeah, that's right. Like, that was a. Uh, I just own a wine bar. I was sent to Steph's uh ugc mm -hmm. tasting that we just like we were early to close to estranel and they're like oh you guys want to go over santa steph and it was the three of us who were like yes out of the nine people that were with us we were like yeah we'll go no that's right um, but but every every one of these trips we've taken have had some you've had some great experience yeah well <clears throat> what about what about you jeff what's been your favorite trip that you've been on hmm. well so definitely france um, I think the trip that we did where we started champagne, went to all sauce oh, yeah. back over to Burgundy. <laughs> that was, was amazing. Was great. Um, minus the long drives in between. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that was yeah an experience, but I, I mean, each one of them has its own, has its own things that are just amazing about them. Right. And, you know, since 
the pandemic, this is the first time that I haven't been on a wine trip in, in, since like in what? in over ten years, I guess. Wow. So, um, I mean, I'm definitely missing it. I'm ready to go anyway. <laughs> go out to Altus. I'm going to Altus. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I mean, I, you know, I've had some amazing times in Napa and Sonoma. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, I, mean, I will say when we went to Chile and Argentina, um, I like Chile better than Joe did, and he liked Mendoza better. But yeah, um, <clears throat> those to me that was just such a unique kind of deal because um, it, you really are you're out in farmland mm-hmm. and there's there's no tourist around you and um, you know and you're you're just tasting amazing wines and you just get this whole especially after you know being in a place and, and it, it, I always say that the wines there taste better, better than what you go buy in the store. Right. Or even even, if, bring it, even if it's the same bottle, when you're there, it tastes better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's just been some, you know, it's, it's kind of magical in a way. Yeah. No, it really is. I mean, especially, like you said, when you get up there in farm country and you remember, at least for me, I really remember that wine is an agric- an agricultural product like it's oh yeah yeah i mean it can be made it can be mass produced it can be you know fiddled with with science but you know wine you know true art artisanal wine it is an agricultural product and you know it's it's as much about the guy who's walking through the vineyard seeing is that one grape ready right as much as anything else oh absolutely and not you know, I think that that's one of the things that I has has drawn me to wine more so than uh, beer or any other liquor. Yeah, liquor or whatever, because with those, I mean, you have your formula, you do it over and over and over. Wine each year, your formula is different based upon right what's you know what the weather has done, yeah. et cetera. And you are, I mean, these people are farmers. Yeah. Um, if I had, if I was 18 years old yeah, and looking for something to go into, right. I mean, it would, knowing what I know now, yeah, I'd love to be in the wine business. Go back into wine. Would you go to the agriculture side or would you come to like the restaurant retail side? No, I'd be the agricultural. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think. Yeah. yeah. You go back and, I mean, you, cause you grew up with land and. Your parents, no. or I thought you okay. No, I know your parents do kind of stuff now. Well, my father, I mean, both my parents uh, grew up actually picking cotton. Oh, yeah, and then um, my father now still gardens, does he has a peach orchard, mm. he maintains, etc. Um, so he has actually has an agricultural degree, so it's, oh. it's part of my, yeah, part of your upbringing, yeah. Uh, even though I've never lived on a farm, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but to me, if if I had to be a farmer, there's some connection with that land that yeah. you would you'd go to grape. Yeah, man. Speaking of that peach orchard, one yeah. of the best pairings I've ever had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so dang good, Jeff. We we had a group that used to do 
bunch of blind tastings together. And one time we were like, okay, let's do a food. Let's it's not blind. Let's just do a pairing. Let's just do a food and wine. And man, Jeff blew it out of the water. It was, it was canned peach. It was your mom. It was your mom's canned peach cobbler, right? Well, they were fresh. Oh, they were they fresh peaches that time. Yeah. But her, but his mom. Yeah. It was, it yeah. was fresh peaches from the orchard and it was a peach cobbler and it was a Moscato, uh, Italian Moscato. It was so like, yeah, I still it, it think went, about it that. Went perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that's one of those, just just an absolute perfect pairing. It was, it was so good. I don't even like, I've never done peach cobbler and Moscato again, because I'm afraid that it's not going to live up to that memory. <laughs> so it was so, so good. Well, so something to note about that, people that are going out and, and um, looking to do pairings too, the way I came across that, I mean, I knew that I was, I had a peach cobbler to bring. Okay. And so I went to Colonial and spoke to the wine guy and told him that, you know, look, I've got, I'm doing a, a, a pairing. I've got a peach cobbler. I need something to go with it. Right. I had no clue what to put with that, really. He yeah. said, you know what? I, there is a Moscato. He said, I wouldn't normally, you know, Sell point you a people Moscato. to a Moscato. But he said, there's a Moscato that has kind of a peach uh, you know, notes to it. Yeah. He said, I think that'd be really good. Yeah. And I mean, it was perfect. And that's definitely like, check it out. You know, that's one of the things, you know, we talked about, find that wine professional in the shop that you just trust. Right. And, you know, take their recommendation. If you don't know, ask somebody. There's no, like, why, why not? Like, that's what, that's your job. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what they're there for. And just go ahead and ask them. I worked retail for 16 years. Yeah. And I had people search me out like, mm-hmm. oh, I heard Joe went somewhere where'd he go yeah they go find the new store i worked at yeah and i know like you know i've had maggie on the podcast people you know will always like ask mm-hmm. for maggie like i said my mom you know she called maggie when she moved to northwest arkansas or text her is like maggie what should i get i need this and this <laughs> and this so you know find that wine professional that you trust and enjoy yeah people will text you from all over the world <laughs> yeah even really jeff will. like yeah. i'm on this first class flight um which one should i have first <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Jeff on the first class flight. <laughs> That's why I'm sitting in coach. On the same I'm back trip. there in coach. Can you bring me some? <laughs> so uh Jeff mentioned that one of his favorite trips was uh going to our champagne Alsace and Burgundy. That was one of my favorite trips too. And you know, the wine that there was Joe, a lot. There was so much. There was so much that was great. There was about a lot trip. to do. And uh Joe actually brought one of the wines we got from the trip. Joe, do you want to tell us about it? So this is a wine from Alsace, uh, and I had to go back through my notes, and I realized I had bought this at a, I'm going to call this a farmer's market. How would you call it, Josh? It was kind of like a, um, like a celebration gathering. But like, they were selling pâtés. Yeah, so they- Different they, kinds of foods yeah, and wines. Yeah, they brought in like their friends from all over the country who sold different things. Like there was an, a guy who was selling escargot. Um, this place from Alsace, there was Bordeaux, there was cheese, there was mussels. Like it was just like a gathering of people and they were celebrating. I don't even, I can't even remember what the champagne house was celebrating, but, uh, you know, we got pointed there from fat cork, um, champagne group, which is a great, great grower champagne group. If you, if you can, you can find it, they will ship to any state. Um, it's awesome. Just part of that now. You know, yeah, I know, I know you joined it. I had to, I had to step away from it. 
but uh, I've been. It's amazing. It's so good. But that trip, you know, we went to a bunch of places. But so this is this is one of the wines we found. This was just the the wine owner just peddling his product. Yeah. And he probably had nine to 13 different wines out there. He had like 13 to 15 wines out there. So what, what is this, Joe? the 2015 uh riesling uh the area is called zuxenberg that's a vineyard in alsace this is a grand it's a grand cru vineyard grand cru. yeah man <laughs> so this is 15 this is five years old been seller the whole time yeah so like we like we mentioned earlier you know this actually has riesling on the bottle it's from life Lyinger. um i'm they distribute to the states but they only distribute to like big cities i think he said like new york la and seattle i think were the only places that he he sold um because we were like can you please try and sell this in arkansas (laughs) we ended up up buying five bottles from yeah and i I know pete bought some you bought some jeff bought i mean we drank a good bit on the trip yeah (laughs) of what we bought we actually didn't go because you have to bring that stuff back right and we know by luggage the way it's made yeah it's not going to hold everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't buy the travel tip number, whatever. Don't buy a suitcase on the street in, in France, Paris. in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> to bring your wine, to, back. To, to bring wine back in because it will bust. And then if you don't have your receipt, you can't exchange it. <laughs> well, luckily it busted in the hotel room. Yeah. Before I even got out. <laughs> I just remember you trying to take it back, and they were like, "What are you talking about? We don't return. What do you? It broke. <laughs> Weird American." But yeah, we didn't actually even know about this place until we walked into the Champagne House, and we didn't know the Champagne House was doing this until we walked in. And I, I'm was well, not a very big house. It was not. I'm going to say this: I liked their. I liked these wines better than some of the champagnes we tasted that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, we. I think we all. Yeah, and we we thought that was on our way to Alsace. We were leaving, right? And we we didn't have a whole lot of time in Alsace. I think we what we spent one night, maybe two night, two nights, two in nights Alsace. in Alsace. But we only tasted one day. Yeah, it was so. <laughs> it was when the so, dude was showing us around. Yeah, it was so it was so quick. <laughs> I think we no he he whistled every time. Yeah, he said something. yeah. I think we only tasted, but we only tasted one day in Alsace. We mm-hmm. got there late, stayed the night, we tasted had a good the dinner. Day. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, 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 the next, next day, night, or yeah, the next morning, we left yeah. to go to Burgundy. I think, you know, looking back on that, that was one of my regrets about that trip, was not staying, there staying in Alsace longer. Same but getting with, to Burgundy. Same thing with Chablis. All <sighs> we did was have lunch at Chablis. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chablis, which is tiny. Uh-huh. It's cool. So it's a great little town. Yeah, but so this is, you know, like we mentioned earlier, um, Alsace is the only region in France that you're actually going to see the variety. On, because the because that's areas how always change hands between the French and the German. Yeah, and so this is a Riesling, and, you know, it's so good. It's just showing more sweetness than I remember. Uh, yeah, Before me too. Before it was just an off-dry, it's sweeter. Very, very honeyed. It's much, it's almost a uh, Sauterne. <laughs> <laughs> what a... <laughs> my thoughts on that jeff <laughs> you're being crazy man man it's like baked apple raised golden raisins mm-hmm. that is like honey 
Oh. It's borderline on a dessert wine without uh, the sweetness, I, uh, all the yeah, developed flavors maybe. of a dessert wine. I mean, so if this was German, it would just be, but oh God, I can never remember. What's the second level after cabinet? Auslese? Spadelese? Yeah, this is, to me, this is just Spadelese. It's not all the way to Auslese. Missing some acid, too. I think that's the age. I think some of that acid has dropped on it because it's it's five years old. Like I think this is still the, so delicious. I think this is the perfect time to drink this. Uh, it, I think yeah, another year delicious. or so, and it's going to go start to go way downhill. That color, yeah, that's really good. So tell me about some of those other trips that you've gone on that I or how did how, let me ask you this: how did the how did the two of you start <laughs> wine trips together? <laughs> it's got to be a good story. How did how did it start? What? I mean. Um, you, it was your, it was, uh, you started. so <laughs> it's like tag, you started it. <laughs> I was in crush one night and, um, I was going to a conference in about a month from whatever time frame it was. And, um, the conference was in San Francisco and it was called Dreamforce. It was put on by salesforce.com. And. Every year, I would go, and they would have a band play the conference. And by band, I mean, it was so... You said it was like Stevie Wonder one year? Stevie Wonder. I saw Foo Fighters. I have big, big names coming in. Black Crows. Wow. Uh, really cool. And so every year, I would be pumped until that, you know, to find out who they had. So one year, we saw Red Hot Chili Peppers. But this one year, they had announced it, and I was, I'm just not a fan of <laughs> Jeff is a really for Jeff is a really really big music guy, <laughs> like a really really big music guy. It's hard to find groups that Jeff is like. Nah. Well, I, I've I've just never been into heavy metal, and the band was metallic. And so we're sitting in Crush, and I'm like, eh, I gotta go to the conference. They always have a good bands, but this year it's a band I don't even want to see. And goes to who is it? Metallic. He's like, oh my god. He said, I've been to like seven shows. I love Metallica. They're amazing. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> Good for you, Joe. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and we kept talking. He said, can you get me into the show? I said, well, yeah, there's, there's going to be about five or six of us out there with, you know, conference passes. I said, I'm sure not Some, everybody's going to want to go somebody see Metallica. Can let you in. So I can get you, yeah, I can, I can get you one of our past. He said, well, if you can get me in, um, then we'll go up to Napa for like three or four days, whatever mm-hmm. we did. And he said, I'll, uh, I'll show you around Napa and we'll, you know, we'll do tastings, et cetera. It won't cost you anything. So I'm it's like, like a quid pro quo. Yeah. I'm like, sold. <laughs> <laughs> and so came out, um, we went to the show. We actually, the convention center where they have it was, we got down to um, the area where, you know, you go in and they weren't allowing anybody else to go in the convention center because they said it was too full. And so we had, we had Joe an extra. Looked like, Joe looked like a little kid that said, you know, there's no, no. Christmas. There's no, no Santa Claus. And, what? <laughs> and so we're sitting in this area. Uh, you know, waiting for the show to start, but so I mean, they were going to show up in the main area in a different room. Yeah, on and, screens. Oh, so <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't having that. So they, and little did they know that we call that now COVID concerts. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> COVID so people style. were coming out some side doors. So Joe snuck in. 
I, I saw people go in. I took off. He's like, okay, well, the fire numbers are down yeah. now. Of course, I can go in. No, he, he snuck in. He, this four-year-old so kid ran in. <laughs> eventually, the rest of us got in there and saw the show. I mean, I will say, I mean, it's entertaining. They're these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still not a Metallica fan, but I, I, they're. Hey, you like sad but true. Yeah, I do. They're talented. Really? Without a doubt. Of course. But then to finish out the show, Will I Am came on. Oh, and came DJ. on and DJed for about an hour and a half after they left. Did that make Did that make it okay for you? I mean, I I was having a good time. <laughs> I mean, it's an open bar, so I was having a good time. <laughs> That's what it is. Gin and tonics were flowing. So then, so then the next day, we drive. Um, the first place we went to was Alexander Valley Vineyards. Mm-hmm. We actually stayed on the vineyard. They had an old schoolhouse. Schoolhouse, yeah. On the vineyard that they had converted into a house that, you know, that, that when they have people come through, um, they let them stay there. And so we stayed there and they gave us a tour and uh, we got to go into the caves that they mm-hmm. have. Uh, it was really cool. And, and went from there back around through Napa because we ended up staying in napa to stay at the marriott yeah um but yeah i mean that trip was that, that was hooked, a great trip that hooked you it, it, yeah it hooked me yeah and and i will say this you know being someone that's not in the industry if you get a chance to go with someone that's in the industry it's a completely different experience how, or how do you say that joe would typically have a couple of appointments every day lined up and so our first appointment would Usually around 10, 30, 11 a.m. <laughs> Breakfast wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And get a, get a quick tour and then do a tasting. They typically have. You know, Tapas. Yeah. Tapas out for us. Kind of yeah. snack. Yeah. And, but I mean, it's all free. All right. And you're typically. Well, they're showing their thanks for us selling their wines. Yeah. And usually they, they bring out more than they normally would in terms of the different uh wines that you're trying you get right. to try a little more reserve stuff something came up about you know the uh the price of a bottle etc right you know how does that make it better wine blah 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 and joe finally just said hey listen if it doesn't matter what the price is oh, yeah. et cetera, if you like it buy it buy it and drink it that's 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 the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of I've hit on that a little bit. Just you know, we just got a Trader Joe's in Little Rock, and there are some really good wines at Trader Joe's that are under ten dollars. Yeah, and I mean, they're your everyday drinkers. They're you know they're not gonna blow your socks off, but they're still really good. Right. Like I had a six dollar uh, Gruner that I blinded some of my industry industry friends on. And you know they got they got that it was Gruner, but I told them how much do you think it costs? I'm like, oh, this is probably you know a fifteen twenty dollar bottle. I was like, no, it was five ninety nine. Wow. So it, you know there are some places where cost doesn't matter, but like you're saying, and we say all the time on the podcast, you know, eat what you like, drink what you like, because that's how it's gonna, that's what you're gonna like best. If you want to stretch yourself, try something new. But if you don't, <laughs> eat and drink what you like. Oh, absolutely. And I really, really, really like this Riesling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about good. you, man, but this 
This is good. This is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you like these types of wines better than, than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, I mean, the... I mean, quality, quality wine is quality wine. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It's probably, for me, it's a, for me to sit down and drink a whole bottle of this. Right. It's a little too rich. Okay, I can see that. You think if you had some food yeah. or something with it, that yeah. might, might help? Yeah. What would, you, what would you want to drink or eat with this? So this, like we've said, this reasoning is a little bit, it's a little bit sweeter, or it feels a little bit sweeter on the palate. It's really mouth rich, really honey. It's really apple-y. But to me, it's really like baked apple, like a... I think some foie gras. Some foie gras? Really. Because that sweetness, that fattiness yeah. to kind of cut through it. What about you, Joe? What do you think? I think what? it's missing some acid for that, but yeah, I can totally see that working. But I, I think you need a little more acid for that foie gras to work. So with as as it is, what do you what would you want? What would you want to eat eat with this if you're gonna you know drink on it all night kind of thing or until it's gone? Honestly, I think you go anywhere just from thinking about other people being just being in past retail, right? Some rich chicken dishes, okay, creamy chicken dishes. Are you good? Like chicken Alfredo kind of rich or uh, something different? No, just creamy chicken. Okay, not chicken olive. Creamy chicken. It's cream. creamy chicken. <laughs> Some creamy chicken. And then uh, and a, and a apple tart. Okay. Yeah. Apple tart. Was good. Yeah. I can definitely see this going with some dessert. You know, like I, I keep talking it's about it. It's not like, super sweet. Yeah. Just sweet enough. Yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't, to me, it presents itself. This is one of those weird wine things. It presents itself as sweet because the fruit is so rich and baked and yeah. it's on that level. I don't know. Like, I don't know the residual sugar level, like. But it still has that minerality. What was that? It has that minerality undertone. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's still got that good, that good mineral I sat back it. and thought. <laughs> Joe was thinking. So uh, on a, uh, let's talk about our Champagne Alsace trip uh, in Burgundy. Because we're going to get to Burgundy here with my wine. What was y'all's favorite part of that trip? <laughs> or what were, some, what were some of the highlights, thing, like things you remember from the trip? I think Vuv Clicquot was, I'm going to pick. My favorite, probably out of each area, and I think Vuv Clicquot on my birthday. Oh, that's was right. Pretty amazing. That was very cool. Yeah, because we we were so recently. A lot of the trips have come around y'all's birthday because they're really close together, right? So Jeff's uh, five days younger than me. Jeff's uh, five days. Jeff, we're both forty six. <laughs> Didn't you? Did you figure that out on a wine trip? Is that, that was right? the very first wine. Trip. Oh, the first one. <laughs> And somebody else figured that out for us. Yeah, actually, the 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 Wait, lady was it a tasting room person that I no, need you? No, it was the rental car people. When we were returning the rental car, uh, we were going to split the cost of it. The um, the so person checking us out at first said, "What is it with you two guys?" We were, we were like, "What are you talking about?" Out in California. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, she goes, "She goes, you two brothers." I'm yeah. like. No, no. anything <laughs> alike. And then when we were uh, actually checking out, and she got our driver's license, she was looking at me. She said, "You guys are five days apart." We're like, "What?" what? <laughs> so that was. So the then, first ever time. since then, we started making all these trips yeah. on our birthday, yeah. Yeah. overseas or here. Double so trips. The, yeah, the champagne trip was when we turned fifty. Fifty, right? And we were so we were at Vuv Clico, and you love Vuv. You love Vuv. It the 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 Le Grand Dame. 
Yeah. It's probably my favorite champagne. Yeah, we got to taste the Grand Dame. Hmm? Was it the rosé or the regular that we got to taste that We day? tasted both. Yeah. <clears throat> we tasted everything they had. Okay. So a fun story <laughs> about that. A couple of years later, Jeff Ford and Blake Jackson made a trip to Vuclico. <laughs> so we were in the VIP room. Yeah. And had a great time. Uh-huh. Blake Jackson and Jeff Ford had to look into the VIP room <laughs> and pay for their fee. Really? That was last year, oh, I believe. Did. At Vu? Wait, where? At Vu Flicow. At Vu? Okay. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna say all sauce. Honestly, was that dinner we had. That which, everybody everybody stared at us. Which but we, it was an amazing dinner. Was that in the um it was in the city? The little town, and it was kind of like a wooden building. Is yes. that the one you're talking about? Mm-hmm. That was yeah. The second night we were there, that was a, that was a good. That was a really good dinner. The lunch Bur- there was great. Burgundy, I enjoyed it. yeah. What was the best part of Burgundy? I think that Louis Latour tasting. <laughs> First day, I think it was my favorite. I thought what the coolest part about Berg was when we went um, and bought. Pino out of that guy's basement. Oh, yeah. When we went to Christoph's, uh, I think it was St. Christoph. Remember, Aaron, um, friend of mine, Aaron, Aaron and Maggie told us about it. I think it was in Pomard. And when we got there, like the guy just didn't know. The, it was the old, it was like the grandfather or the father of the, right. the guy who does it. And he just didn't know, he didn't know any English. We, we ended up like miming that we wanted to taste and we, he took us down and it was like the carport. And then it was like this little gate that we opened and we went down and it was yeah. there and we, we talked through the wine with him and it was like, that was a really cool experience. And we walked out with, I know I, I walked out with two Magnums and, and a the wine of was amazing. I walked out with so two good. bottles of it. Yeah. Yeah. I drank one. I gave one away, and then one. I think I even one said a Spanish phrase when I was down in the cellar. Oh, the what? I think I even spoke Spanish a little bit when I was <laughs> in the did. cellar. <laughs> I think you said like, like all the wine we in. had that day. <laughs> all the wine we had that day. You tasted yeah, the wine and Joe's like, man, a movie be in. He like cocks his kind of like cocks his head to the side. It was like. <laughs> It's like, mm-hmm. what the hell are you saying? What are you talking I, I just, about? As soon as I said it, I was like, oh my <laughs> god, crap! <laughs> it was either Pomard or Volnay. I can't remember exactly where we were at, but it was that was great. I think it was Pomard. Yeah, we did. Right. We did taste wine there in Burgundy, at that one winery where we taste a couple of the wines. They were all disgusting, and we immediately left. I don't remember that. I one. don't remember that. It was on the right. Uh, so when we first it pulled on the in, right. well, before we went up the hill. <laughs> At the, at the, you know, at the, the old, at the, at the car the next to the old tree. <laughs> one place on the right. <laughs> every, the rest of the trip, everything was on the left. Yeah, every, there that, was only one, one thing on, on the, right. the right. Oh my God. Will you please cut that part out now? <laughs> Probably not. Oh, that's got to Because this is how the trips go. We just bust each other. Like We get a couple bottles in and we just hang out. Yeah. But no, that was like, you know, that little like off the beaten track was, was really. <laughs> so can we was, talk about, so can we talk about Paris now? Well, let's, uh, 
Let me let me get Jeff's. <laughs> Jeff, what was your favorite part of the trip? I did. I mean, the whole thing was amazing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it was your birthday trip, so. Yeah. And, so Paris and, was horrible. I'm going to chime in because that was the final part of our oh, trip. I'm sorry. And we I'm could sorry. not find the rental car. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the after, icing on the cake. After Paris. we had just parked it. Paris, Paris was 15 a little, minutes earlier. Paris, no, we didn't Paris. park it. I know we didn't. Driving, driving in Paris was a little rough. <laughs> and I just, I just remember not having a room and then having a room. Well, you slept on Jeff's floor, right? I can't, I don't even remember. I think I'm you slept be... on Jeff. Or you sleep in Pete's floor. It wasn't mine. No, I, I ended up getting my own room. Oh, yeah. It was just initially I didn't have one. And I remember. You want to like, fit in my room, dude. I, I, I remember. Oh, yeah, they're tiny. I just remember the whole like car fiasco at that point. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go over this brasserie and I'm going to order myself some wine and I'm just going to sit there. Hey, and I don't really then, care. Well, we got a chance to relax later on that evening. We went to that, uh, that little restaurant, that little, was great. Uh, the little beer place. And we walked in because oh, the door was halfway shut. Yeah. We walked in. We had to trade our money late, for tokens. Late, late night. I was not there. Yeah, you were. And buy the no, beer with tokens. No, he wasn't. Oh, it was just you and I. I was leaving the next morning. Oh, that's right. Because we told you about it. Because remember, that was the place that made the fresh bread. Right. And they were just oh, stacking God. up the restaurants the next day. These little mice running around. <laughs> yeah. It was like two, like one, two in the morning. They were pulling off fresh bread. How much was that? Stacking. Seven euro? No, it was, was like, it five? it was five, it was five, five euro, euro for, for a that, drink. Oh, that fresh, fresh. Oh, for the loaf of bread. Yeah, that we ate. I think they, <laughs> I think they gave it to us like, I think they gave it to us for like four euro. Four. <laughs> I mean, but you know, they could probably, they were probably fresh. legally required to sell it for one. <laughs> but the Americans, the Americans will charge you four. <laughs> So Jeff, what about what about you? What was your favorite favorite part Which or part, parts of your that favorite trip? champagne? Well, in champagne, um, it the dinner that we had the night where the, the waiter came out with the, the cheese for dessert, you know, all the different cheeses. Was that in champagne? That was in champagne. We were in Ypres. Oh yeah, at the Chez, uh, Chez Jacques or something. Yeah, that was and that that whole meal was amazing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, just a little small place in Epernay. In oh, Champagne. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely say this. If you're looking to go into Champagne, don't stay in Rennes. Stay in Epernay. Epernay is, it was such, it was, to me, it was a cooler town to hang out in. Yeah. Rims was, uh, Rims was, Rims was cool. I mean, there's a cool, lot going but on, but it's more bigger. more of like just a little village. Yeah. Rims was more of a real bustling kind of. Town. Yeah. And Epernay was, you know, a really small town, had that small town kind of feel. And it, I mean, what, it was 25, 30 minutes to Airbnb get to Airbnb we stayed at. Was... <laughs> yeah, it was. Such a cool house. <laughs> Not in Burgundy, though. Burgundy. <laughs> Burgundy was a little strange. <laughs> Burgundy was strange. But being that close to the tour was nice. Yeah. We just <laughs> across the street to the distribution part. <laughs> <laughs> that was I'm funny. I'm glad I stayed upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, but you know, you said that restaurant. Was there anything else about that trip that like really stuck out? Um, the so when we were in Alsace, the restaurant, the the restaurant we ate lunch. Oh, that was amazing. It was the so good. Bar du Sommelier, or I think that's no, what it was. The, Scar David was hanging on the wall behind. Yeah, me. it was something to someone. Yeah, because remember you and I took the picture outside, mm, right? 
outside of it. I wonder if it was the name of the restaurant across the street that was named that one. No, it was it was that oh. one. I remember. But yeah, there was like a star day, and like mm-hmm. the owner, she was telling us about it. She's like, "Yeah, my family, you know, they were Jewish. They were actually hidden during this time because yeah. you know Alsace is right there on the border between Germany and France, and it within you know a hundred years it changed hands three different times, whether it was German or it was French. So there were actually like different generations that spoke different languages. You know, and based- her father passed away, and she kind of got the restaurant out of the blue, like just right. She had to take it over. Yeah, she was doing a good job. Their food was their food was good. Well, the thing I, you know, the thing I like about France in general, yeah, um, is that you know, for lunch, you <laughs> you get there at eleven thirty, you're gonna leave. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's it's it's. I love the well, the Parisian lifestyle. I love right, uh, but just France in general, and just their, you know. The fact that they put uh, so much emphasis on on food and wine and and you know living and the yeah. service, like yeah. the service aspect of it was great too. Yeah, their passion for all that is like through the roof compared right. to a lot of places here. You know, you, you go and over there, just everybody's all about the food and the service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Denmark was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's just... I could have spent some more time there. That's right. just Europe in general. And that was We went there before we went to Um Premier. Yeah. Before it, your 24-hour John. <laughs> My short John into, into Um Premier. What about... We were there for like 12 days, and you there for 24 hours. <laughs> it was longer than 24 hours, but, uh, you know... I've been 36. I slept on a small couch and had the, into, I had the, the coffee table pull over so I could fit, because I'm a tall guy. <laughs> But it was worth it. I'll tell you this. It was totally, totally worth it. Yeah. Um, what about Burgundy, Jeff? Anything about Burgundy stick out? Um, I mean, the wines were amazing again. Um, the, the tour. Uh, the tour. The tour. Uh, Avonlea. Yeah, it was so good. Right. Um, you know, we... <laughs> that was a funny night when we were in the pizza place. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that um, that a winemaker was it a winemaker? No, it wasn't a winemaker. What the it guy was, that owned it had worked somewhere. Yeah, he had worked at a place in Montrachet. Yeah, yeah, but he he knew wine. Yeah, he, he and knew they wine. kept trying to, and we you know obviously we had told him we were there on a wine trip, right? And you know we kept having them bring us stuff, and we were like, why don't you bring us something? Yeah, you know, bring us something interesting that you think we like, and um, they brought us a Chardonnay <laughs> that had been uh, done in American oak. It tasted like California. It, we were like, it was so strange. It was like, what is this? They're like, oh yeah, you should have this Montrachet. It's it's really really good. Yeah, I was you know, double checking the label. I yeah. was like, this is this is California. And it was like, I mean, we're yes, we're Americans, but we don't want to yeah. drink American style. That's why we came to France. <laughs> that's, that's why we're here. Is to, to get drink away from, from the oak, <laughs> and it was just a little pizza place outside of Bone. It was and excellent. Yeah, it was, we had great, a great, it was a great place, great hospitality. It was just so funny that they're like, "Oh, you need to have this wine. This wine is really, really good. You're gonna, you were, and I just remember that you're gonna love this wine." And then we, it's oak, it's oaky Chardonnay. But I would definitely love if I, so. If I went back, I would, I would love to go spend time. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. I think more time in Loire and even um, Muscadet. Uh, oh, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, Muscadet. Muscadet. Yeah. Uh, Maine. Muscadet de la... Oh, no. Muscadet, Serbia de la Maine. Thank you. De la Maine. So. You must remember right now after a couple <laughs> glasses of wine. Yeah, because, you know, the whole Loire would be, a, would be a great trip. But I think you can make it just a great trip out of Loire. And even going to the northern part of France, I think it'd be amazing. The northeast part, Normandy and stuff. Uh, what, yeah. To try some of the well, yeah, what um, comes out of that? Brandies, brandies. the uh, apple brandies stuff. Calvados. Calvados comes out of there. That's their apple brandy that's up there. But, I mean, it's funny you, uh, you mentioned favorably because that's, uh, that's the red that I brought. I brought tonight. That was favorably. Well, that, was, that was a fun taste. Yeah, it was. I mean, they took us, like, we didn't really, like, stop anywhere upstairs. They, like, took us straight downstairs to the cellar. But what was cool about the cellar there was the parts that they were, they were going through and redoing the cellars, and you had parts of it that had mold from years and oh, yeah. years, and then parts that they had gone through and cleaned that looked spotless. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked old, but right. it was spotless. So definitely had like the Roman arch, the Roman arches in it and everything. Yeah. But it was def like they're spending a lot of money. lot of money cleaning cleaning it up and everything. And you know, so this is the uh, Joseph Faverly Bourgogne. Uh, this is a uh, Pinot Noir from Burgundy. Uh, so this is our first red wine of the night. That's small world funk on it. Right yeah. there. Yeah. Yes. So that like kind of barnyardy Brett. Kind of smell on it. Kind of lets you know, hey, uh, I was made in France. <laughs> yeah. What are you smelling over there, Joe? Pencil lead. Pencil lead. Graphite? <laughs> okay. Well, the barnyard is so not a typical thing. Yeah. <laughs> May need to blow off for a minute. Yeah. So, what about. Uh, so for somebody who's like never gone on a wine trip before, uh, what's something you suggest or what's something that they probably, you think they should know walking in, walking into a tasting room that they may not know? Make sure, even if you get a free tasting, tip the uh, wine people. Tip the server. If you, if you don't, if you don't, even if you get something free, tip them, you know, tip them, what, 10, 15, $20? Well, we do. Or? I mean, we, our tastings are free being in the business but we always try to make sure we pull our money together sometimes they make as much as you know 30 bucks off of us that's yeah. just one you know three people going in there yeah so throw down tip to tip the people because they are they're working and it is a service industry so yeah they work for tips sometimes you know the tastings are 15 bucks and people will tip 10 20 percent which is nothing right you know about 52 bucks three bucks at most um, I would say that the main thing is, I mean, if you're going for the first time, don't be intimidated. Okay. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, don't feel like that, you know, you're going to, you're going to sound like you don't know what you're talking about if you ask a question, because that's, that's what it's all about. You're, right. You're there to learn anyway. Yeah. I mean. It's easy for me to say I'm, go I'm going to wine country with small, <laughs> but, but still, 
but still, I mean, that's one of the things I've definitely learned from all this is, you know, is you're in there to experience the wine and, you know, learn more about how they're producing it. Um, and then, you know, just don't be intimidated and don't feel like that. If you're in a place that feels completely pretentious, then go somewhere else. <laughs> wineries. Huh? There's plenty of wineries. There's plenty of wineries, yeah. I mean, there's definitely times that we've gone in places that just felt pretty smoothy. And, you know, we've had to, right. you know, we, we've not stayed. Yeah, so don't don't worry about where you're at. Um, don't be, <laughs> if, if it feels pretentious, do your tasting, tip your, tip your server well, go somewhere else. Don't, don't spend a lot of time. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, uh, talking. I've walked out of this before. Yeah. You know, a long time ago. Well, yeah, do, I mean, if you don't, if you don't like it, you don't like the vibe, tasting. You're there to have fun. Yeah, and I, I think you know one of the big points is don't worry about walking in if you don't know anything. I mean, I've walked into places not knowing exactly what I'm getting. I mean, you guys have heard me. I'll ask, I'll ask a bunch of questions, and so that's what you know. In my thoughts, you know, that's what those people are there for. They want, they want people asking questions. They don't just want to pour wine and move on. They like the they like that interaction piece that they can get from guests. And I know there have been a couple of times like we've asked particular questions or just wondered about things. And then they're like, oh, well, hold on a sec. And they'll walk away and they'll bring something back that wasn't even a part of their normal tasting. And then they'll pour it for us. And like you can, you know, all the tasting sheets are out there. So you can see, oh, this wine isn't even on something. And it was, you know and they'll pour it for you and then it's like wow i mean mm -hmm. it's, if i wouldn't have asked questions i never would have known about this well they they see so many people that you know they can pick up on easily who's there really taste their wine and but how they better versus there to sound like they're you know, they know more than they really do. Yeah, they're trying to show up the the tasting room people. What else? Any any other tips or tips that you think you know people sh people should know? We talked about you know getting off the beaten path. You know, if a place looks cool, turn in. Um, you know, tip well because you never know how you never know what you could get off that. I mean, you know, if you tip up front, like if you tip before the tasting, you could you could get extra sometimes we'll get some cellar tour. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you know, a, a glass of wine. They'll pour you a glass of wine while you walk around the vineyard, and they'll talk to you about the vineyard. Pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to ask. Like, I know my sister, I told my sister about Alpha Omega's rosé, mm -hmm. and she, her and her friends went there, and she asked the tasting room person, do you have any of the rosé open right now? And she goes, you know what? We do. And they... <laughs> Hold yeah. open the cool drawer and they got to taste the rosé. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, never be afraid to ask if you know the place that you're going to and there's something you want to taste. Ask. <laughs> what the worst thing they can say is no. <laughs> and that's it. They're not going to kick you out. Right. I mean, I think Jeff and I, Wayne, well, the three of us have been to a lot of vineyards. They all make wine. And most of them all make wine the same way. Maybe a little different yeast strand or something, but they all make wine the same way. But you have to act interested. Well, yeah, yeah. you got to be in with their own how they're doing it. You've got to be respectful, be engaged, and definitely don't. And you've seen this, 
unfortunately, I don't think I don't know of any time we've ever done that maybe broke James, but don't don't get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you, they don't want to deal with somebody that's you know being silly. Yeah, and if you, you let them do the talking. Right, means their their house. Mm-hmm. Let them do the talking and be respectful of their boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. if they say, eh, "I'm sorry, it's time for you to go," have yeah. somebody that can drive and then well, get fortunately, out. Fortunately, we've we've never had that. <laughs> we've never we've never had that happen. But we have also we have Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but we have also looked at people in our party and said, "It's time for us to go," mm-hmm. and and knowing that and been like, "Okay, let's let's speed up, yeah. let's speed up what we're doing here and and move forward." Right. So what do you think about this Pinot? It is, man, this is a really funky Pinot. Yeah. What do you mean by that? How's it, how's it funky? It's that, it's that, that whole barnyard, the old world. Right. It's got, it's got a lot of fruit on it. Yeah. But, but you get, and I mean, I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not your normal, like California Pinot. It has that fruit, but it's like second or third right. to what's going on. There's right. definitely, there's definitely a lot of like barn and earth and stone and other things that are going on in it. And you know, this is their like lowest level. You know, they do some of the, you know, they do they have a Givray Chambertin that I almost bought, but I didn't feel like spending ninety dollars <laughs> on a bottle of wine uh, for tonight. But what do you remember about this place? Like, I remember you talking about. They were like cleaning and shifting things in the cellar. I remember them like they were re-rolling barrels to like different parts of the of the tasting room while we were there. Yeah, as well as where they're the room where they have all their bat. Mm. Remember, they were redoing mm. all of that. That's and right. I forget how much she said each one of those bats cost, but it was it was an exorbitant it amount was of money. Crazy, and they had. What they probably had uh twenty vats at, at least at least twenty, and I mean that room was just gorgeous. Yeah, yes, <laughs> really gorgeous. It was spotless too. Yeah, yeah. Seeing it, you know. Speaking of the, like the vats and you know the people like working, I remember when we went to a uh, Kinsler in oh, yeah. in Alsace. No, first of all, I did my happy dance there because I love that wine. Yeah, um, but it was it was the winemaker. <laughs> you know, it was the winemaker that came out. We like. We kept ringing the bell because we had, like we had an appointment. I think his appointment would. It was his brother yeah. that was supposed to be there. That's right, but yeah. his the that guy's kid like broke their arm or something and couldn't couldn't make it out, and so the other brother who's the the winemaker ended up doing it. We were like ringing the bell, ringing the bell, ringing the bell, <laughs> and he finally came out and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I was back down in the." I was back down in the cellar yeah. doing some work, and we went down there. And he was, he was like, he pump, was pumping. He was pumping from one of the bats to the big barriques, yeah. which was really cool. Well, and that's, I mean, that just goes back to his non corporate, you know, this is just a family just trying to make a living, you know, producing wine. Yeah. And to me, that was the best wine that we had in Alsace. Right. The Kinsler stuff was, yeah. was great. When we actually were in Alsace, I mean, I would say the Life Langer rivaled it, but we didn't actually go to right. Life Langer, which if we ever go back, we're definitely going to definitely gonna hit that place up. But it was, 
Well, if we'd really gotten nice. into like Trimbach and done some of their reserve stuff, that would have been yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Taste some of that close St. Hewn. Yeah, exactly. That we were staring at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, don't get drunk. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, the big thing, you know, base, make sure you don't get drunk when you go to tasting rooms. Uh, anything else? You know, we talked about ask, asking questions. Don't worry about if you don't know anything. Uh, any other tidbits about either or planning, even planning a trip to wine country? But even if you are, you feel you're that drunk coming on, just be quiet. Yeah. Let them talk. <laughs> I mean, just stare at them. Let and your friends nod know. Your head. Yeah, let your friends know because I mean, uh, like I said before, we have definitely sped up some tastings because people we've been with have gotten a little bit toasty. I would say before you go, do research for not only the 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 wineries, but the and and not only that, but the local you know restaurants, etc. The last thing you want to do. Is go to wine country and eat at an Applebee's <laughs> because you, we have because we have before that was the only place open. And it was the only place open, and we did, <laughs> but we didn't do our research on the city, and we kind of ran into that town and didn't know everything closed at eight thirty except yeah. Applebee's. Uh, there was one other place open. Yeah, and we're we not going. We didn't want to. We didn't want to go there. Go there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so just do research on it, and you don't. I mean. That's what that was a fun hotel though, Santa Maria. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Supposedly you need to stay hunting. there if you want your. Uh, but it's not if about, you want to feel your ghost sensation. And I don't say that to say that you have to plan out your trip to where you know where every second you're going to be. But I'm just saying, at least know that what your options are. Right. And you know, plan plan one one night that you're going to go to someplace really nice yeah and make reservations and do all you know at least do all that. some of the nicer places up to three months ahead of time right but then just also like jeff saying just get when you once you get there walk into it or ask when you're at a tasting room where to go that's how we found out about pine street saloon like one of our favorite bars in paso we didn't know about it until we asked them at rabble and said hey where should we go and they're like exactly. you need to go to pine street saloon how do we think of, figure out about in and out the animal, animal style. Animal style. Oh, I already that. Knew was that. from Opus. I didn't know. I knew that. But, Thanks, found, but you also found out. <laughs> Sorry. But Joe, Joe found out. From, I found out at Opus. That was from somebody else. One of else. the most high-end wineries, biggest wineries in Napa. Right. <laughs> I'm never going back to Napa with Jeff. <laughs> That's a lie. Well, yeah, so this is just some kind of the, kind of the main, you know, knows knows before you goes and it's kind of some you know insider well, baseball i will say too buy a bottle of wine yeah definitely about you, south america when we really couldn't communicate with everybody and we asked the people that were helping us we're like what winery would you go to next they were like oh i know somebody over there let me call them right always that always as well always ask the locals because mm -hmm. they're gonna they're gonna know exactly what's next cool all right. Well, uh, you know, as we end every show, it's time uh, for me to uh, blind a wine. Uh, Joe has picked a wine for uh, for me to blind, and I have absolutely no idea what I am about to taste. So uh, here we go. All I know so far is that it's a red wine. Um, it is, you know, definitely it's a clear red wine. 
Um, <laughs> it's totally red. Um, it kind of goes out to a lighter meniscus, but it's a kind of a darker purpley hue. And when it comes to the legs and staining, uh, this is a super clean glass because Joe does a good job of keeping things very clean. And I don't really see any staining of the tears. Um, let me smell it. Oh, wow. There's definitely some like a uh, bell pepper, bell pepperiness on this wine. And Taco Bell. Oh, it's, it's definitely some jalapeno one. <laughs> on the breakfast menu. Yeah, so there's definitely like some greenness, some pepperiness on it. Um there is a little bit looking back, there's a little bit of staining um on the tear, so there's gonna be some good extraction on it. So definitely like uh desiccated and kind of crushed uh violets and flowers. Um not really much else on it on the nose. You know, kind of some like black fruits, maybe some like raspberry or blackberry. It's definitely over extracted on the heavier parts of it three hours two hours yeah on the taste of it it's um wow it's still definitely um still definitely more of the still definitely more of like red fruit some like blackberry some definitely red raspberry it's really brambly it's really green really bright acid is probably you know medium plus Alcohol is not, not that high on it from what I can tell so far. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of dominated by that green, that green uh, vegetalist, um, you know, it's definitely bell pepper. Definitely, um, there's a little bit of earth underneath it, some kind of like crushed stone, crushed um, earth, kind of a little bit of pepperiness to it, but it's more of like a white pepper. It's not really like black pepper. The... Um, the tannins on this are kind of medium, not very, not real too strong, not real biting. Um, alcohol is probably medium plus on it. It's not too high. It real, feels kind of, real kind of regulated. It's like some mushroominess on it, some earth. Hmm. I don't think so. It, it doesn't seem like there's much age on it. Um, especially with like with the coloringness of it, it still stays the same color. When you get the uh, mushrooms based upon age? <laughs> not always. Not always. It can actually come from more of just where it's grown and kind of the varietal itself. Um, there's definitely a lot of florid floridity on it that I'm kind of getting into. And so I might kind of go ahead and go into my initial conclusion on this. I think it's a, this is a New World wine. Um, I think it would be Cab. I think it could be Merlot. I think it could be um, possibly Cab Franc. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a New World Cab. Uh, I think it's going to be from probably California. Um, I'm not exactly sure which region. But I'm definitely going to think it's like from a cooler region. Uh, it's probably pretty young. So let's say um, 2016, 2017. So uh so that's it. Well I wanna thank uh Joe Joe St. Anna, proprietor and owner of Crush Wine Bar in Argenta in North Little Rock for uh letting us in <laughs> on Main Street and letting us uh invade his bar for a while. And as you can tell, we're definitely recording this while uh the bar is open. Uh so Joe, thanks for uh thanks for spending some time with us and no, thanks for 
thanks for bringing this here yeah if you're if you're in the little rock area definitely come down to argenta and check out uh definitely check out crush wine bar uh it's a cool area argenta just opened up an entertainment district like uh, we took a break and actually went outside on the street and drank some wine for a while which was really cool um and then i also want to thank uh jeff ford uh ceo of perks worldwide and wine traveler extraordinaire for hanging out and having a good time with us tonight i'm just happy to be here <laughs> yeah yeah, he's he's definitely on the board at Crush, and you know his, his comment all this the time. Advisory board. He's on the advisory board, and and like he said, uh, what is it, Jeff? What's what's your line? I'm happy to be here. You're just happy to be here. Jeff is Jeff Jeff is one thousand percent. One thousand percent. He's one thousand percent happy to be here. Well, thanks, guys. So uh, uh, next week it's going to be a beer episode, and it's going to be. And so once again, we've got. Nope. And and I'm Josh. Thanks for joining us.